Hi, this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. Hey, Paul, another episode of the Carveline Tech Service Podcast. It sure is, Jack. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm feeling my age a little bit today. I had... Same person last week we were talking about uh, recommended that podcast. Yeah. So as a habit, I have probably ever since the early 2000s, instead of saying cool in the affirmative, sometimes say coolio. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so did somebody call you out on this? No. So I decided I would uh, send a GIF. Uh, instead of saying cool, I just sent a GIF or a GIF, depending on, depending on if here. you're right or wrong. <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> I sent her a gif of uh, Coolio riding a little tricycle. Okay. And then crickets. She didn't get it, did she? Crickets. Yeah. And so I was like, then I replied, may have dated myself here. <laughs> and then she goes, I'm just assuming that's from like a Friday movie. <laughs> I was like, no. You know, I say Coolio for the affirmative. And she's like, yeah. I go, that's the rapper Coolio. I didn't know there was a rapper Coolio. <laughs> so for perspective, the person that I'm having a conversation with is obviously about a decade younger than me, yeah. but yeah. Um, Coolio, man, like, <laughs> how do you not hear Coolio? So I was like, well, he was a one hit wonder from the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands, whose song you might know the weird owl version more than, you know, his actual <laughs> version. And she was like, what? I was like, gangster's paradise. That's Coolio. And she's like, Oh, I know that song. Of course. So anyway, enough about that. That was just kind of a funny aside. We're going to continue down the road that we have over, you know, once a month, we have our favorite and by now your favorite, Brian Cheshire on the show. And I got it. Paul just gave me the affirmative, which just, (laughs) hey, Brian, how's it going? I got it right. Look at that. (laughs) Hey, doing well, guys. And yeah, thank you for having me back on. And, you know, today's conversation is going to go, um, way back not 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 all the way back to when coolio was popular but um it was actually a conversation you guys started on all the way back to episode nine of this show episode nine holy cow i am proud of myself for the brian cheshire thing it's something that i've worked on and and it is a side bet that i have with one mrs walker that i can't get this through the sensors so at the walker house if anything ends in er walker I hardly know her. It's it's a joke. <laughs> so that's how I remembered Brian Cheshire. Okay. Cheshire, I hardly know her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see if that gets her. How do you feel about that, Brian? I like it. Very, very impressive. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about the different coating technologies that would be used for the exterior of a water tank. So like Brian said, this goes back all the way to episode nine when we talked about the different technologies, uh, the different ultra weatherable technologies. However, that was at like the million foot view. So what we really want to do is kind of step back and look directly at how these products are used for the exterior of water tanks in the water tank market. So I think if you're gonna start by talking about water tanks, any natural uh, discussion should start with AWWA D102. So Brian, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, AWWA D102 
um, it, it is a very commonly used standard in, in the water industry, and it, it speaks specifically to coating and lining steel water storage tanks. And one thing to note, it, it's not a specification, but, but what it really is, is is a standard that lays out minimum requirements you know, for coatings and linings used in these tanks. And today's conversation, we're going to talk about some outside coating systems. So, you know, within this standard, uh, they abbreviate that as OCS. And so they have multiple systems that are, you know, OCS one and, and so on, you know, with different generic types of top coats used, anything from alkyds to polyurethanes, and they even get into fluorourethanes for a few of the systems. And, you know, that really is one of the nice parts about a spec, you know, coming from a company like AWWA, primarily they don't limit you to just one technology or one type of system. It really does go through, you know, if you're in an area and alkyds are the, the standard that everybody uses, there are alkyd systems there for the outside of these tanks. There's water-based acrylics, like you said, fluorourethanes and everything in between. So it really is an all-encompassing, here's a minimum set of requirements that you should look at if this is what you want to do. Absolutely. And uh, another nice thing about D-102 is it's not limited to just the uh, exterior of the tanks. It does give you recommendations for the interior of tanks and testing protocols, but we're not going to focus on that today. Today, we're going to focus on three of the main technologies that are used in that exterior coating, and then the first one being polyurethanes. So, Brian, why don't you take a second and talk about this technology and how it's used in this market? Yeah, sure thing. And Jack, you know, polyurethanes really started being used as top coat, I would say, really after the after the 80s. If you go back before polyurethanes, back in the 70s and 80s, we saw alkyds used on the exterior of water tanks. And as you know, alkyds do not do very well in, in UV exposure. So uh, these tanks were, were chalking and fading very quickly and were having to be recoded every several years. And so you saw that the industry kind of move to polyurethanes after that because they, they do give you increased UV resistance and weathering. You know, they also are, are fairly easy to apply. Um, you know, they, they, they have great weatherability, good corrosion resistance, abrasion resistance, and good chemical resistance. Sure, definitely. It's interesting that you say that they used to be alkyd tanks. I would imagine there was a lot of yellow tanks if they, if they painted it with alkyd back in the day. Oh, by all means, yeah. Uh, and, and it didn't take long for a lot of them to get there. Kind of kind of moving along the, the, the metamorphosis of, of, of how different coatings were used on the exteriors of tanks, you saw polyurethanes being used after alkyds, and then you even started seeing polyurethanes with clear top coats being used after that. And I'm, I'm sure you remember those days, Paul, when you were having to field, field some questions and, and kind of deal with, with some of those nuances because anytime you're applying a clear coat, you know, you have to worry about, you know, skippers and other, other holidays and voids. And, and then the clear coats are very finicky about if you get them too, you know, too heavy, um, they can have some issues there with, you know, with hazing over. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we do talk about it, you know, blush is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but it becomes really obvious a lot of times in a clear coat with any imperfections, you get that hazy whitish look to it. And it really, it's hard to, it's hard to work with afterwards. It usually requires a lot of, a lot of attention to details while you're doing the application. Not to mention, it is usually hard to see them when you're applying it. You're only applying, you know, two-ish mils. So it's hard and it's clear. So it's hard to see it over what is usually a shiny surface that you're applying it over. Well, yeah. And 
But I just want to take that one little step further is you think about blush most commonly with epoxies. And, and, and this is a totally different phenomena. It's the same term that is used. Right. The isocyanate blush is usually a moisture reaction with water and, and it's an appearance more so than anything else. Yeah. That sometimes in the paint industry, we've run out of words. So we'll it's recycle every, them. Yeah, it's everything. Yeah. But I just wanted to make sure. So, you know, with the polyurethanes, Brian, just real quick, let's uh, cover some of the pros and cons. Uh, but maybe kind of tailor that a little bit more towards the water tank when you look at those pros and cons. Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, m- mentioned a few of the pros a minute ago, you know, talking about the, the ease of application. You know, then some of the performance characteristics of polyurethanes, you know, the fact that they do have good weatherability, you know, that they do, do have good corrosion resistance and abrasion resistance, among other things, you know, are, are, are definitely, definitely can be counted as pros. If you look at the cons, though, um, you, you mentioned the isocyanate component. So you do have some propensity to, to react with moisture there. So they are, you know, fairly sensitive. So you really have to watch your environmentals. And then also, with anytime you're dealing with an isocyanate, you have to worry about uh, potential health effects there. And then aside from all that, polyurethanes typically have to be applied in very thin coat. So it's either going to require multiple coats or it's going to you know, require a, a layered system, something such as a zinc primer, epoxy intermediate polyurethane top coat, you know, to be able to give you the the increased corrosion protection, the film build, and then that UV protection at the surface there. It's kind of interesting that they learned from their practice in the 60s and yeah. 70s of, hey, we have to go up to these high elevated tanks and paint them all the time. We should find something that works. Right. Yeah. You get into some of these areas in these high deserts or any of these areas where you've got a low cloud, you know, not a lot of cloud cover, a lot of UV hitting the, the structures. And really, that's where a good performer separates from the excellent performers. You don't want to have to go back in 10 years and redo it. You're looking for as long of a life as you can because, I mean, honestly, labor is not going to get any cheaper 10 years from now than it is today. No, and I'm sure just the safety standards uh, evolution from the 60s, 70s till now has caused the installation of these coatings uh, price to skyrocket. Oh, yeah. When was You've seen all those pictures of the, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s steel workers who are walking around on beams. Yeah. Nobody's got harnesses on. Nobody's no. got hard hats on. They're, you know, they're wearing their derbies. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Sam, we're going to paint the steel today, Sam. All right, here we go. All right, all right, all right. All right, guys, for a long time, we've been asked, what's the next step? Where, where are we going next after the Carbline Tech Service podcast? So I left Paul behind, stole some of his guys, and we created a whole new thing. <laughs> called the solution spot it's the new blog brought to you by carboline it's uh got videos got this podcast got some really good articles it really does it's got articles of some of them are written by the guys in tech service some of them are written by some people in the field and it's a great vision of how to get additional information the videos some of the videos jack and i created some of them we've had other groups create them and it's they're all gathered into one spot they're easy to find easy to go through Easily searchable. Yes. Yes. So if you want to find a list of podcasts and you want to find topics and you want to search it, the solution spot is your answer. So if you go to carboline.com and then at the top, there's a little button that says blog. It's right next to news and events. Click on that. And when you go there, you have this whole information hub. And that's why we couldn't just call it the blog. It has got all of our podcasts. So if you want to know, hey, when did they talk about water tanks? 
put it in, search it, and it brings up the relevant episodes, articles, and videos. It's www.carverline.com and the solution spot. All right, anyway, so Brian, let's continue down the uh, the road here. And, and similar to polyurethanes, uh, but uh, probably more like a polyurethane on steroids, is you have the fluoropolymers, and they're just kind of like the next step down the road from polyurethanes. Oh, that's right, Jack. And, you know, talking about fluoropolymers, and after this we'll talk about polysoxanes, but, you know, really over the last 20 years I've, I've seen uh, a big increase in the industry in, in, in these you know, ultra weatherable top coats because what you alluded to a minute ago, talking about the cost of repainting, but some other stuff to think about, you know, which may not be top of mind sometimes, but some of the associated costs that go along with that, you know, with, you know, if you're having to, to build scaffolding, staging, uh, if you're having to have containment and, and then just the overall nuisance of having to disrupt a community, you know, because in some instances, these tanks are in heavily populated areas. So there may be some other nuisance costs that go along with that. So I would say really over the last 20 years, you know, that those have been some, some things that have really pushed the industry uh, to these longer service life type coatings, you know, and, and four polymers being the first of those, probably the best way to describe these is think uh, liquid kynar. I mean, you've got extremely color-stable pigments, and a lot of times you'll see these either for a full top coat, but you'll also see this used for logos, you know, especially in high visibility areas. And let's face it, I mean, a lot of towns have started looking at their water tanks as, you know, a glorified billboard for that town. So perception's reality, and when you're going through a town and you see a, a vibrant water tank with a bright logo, you may have a different opinion of that town versus if you see a corroded, faded tank. You know, alluded to a minute ago, um, you know, so, some of the cons, you know, like polyurethanes, they have to be applied in, in a thin coat. So if, if you have a color that may be a little more vibrant, it may require multiple coats in some instances. But then the biggest thing is the upfront cost. You know, they, these are very expensive materials, but it's one of those things that when you, when you get into service life comparisons, you you really have to look at these from an expected service life and, and really break out the cost over its life cycle um, it, yeah. in order order to truly evaluate it. Yeah, and you definitely want to go back. We had a whole series where we yeah. covered all the different technologies. We call it the cost of coatings, and there's definitely an episode where we fully break that down and these three technologies that we talk about today are talked about in that episode so you definitely if you want to reinforce episode 132 if you're looking yeah if you want to reinforce some of these uh concepts from a cost point of view right that's the episode to tune into so that brings us to the last kind of technology we wanted to talk about today and that's the polysiloxane so brian tell us a little bit about those yeah, so, so probably the best way to describe these is Think of these as, you know, kind of a hybrid. I mean, these are high-performance coatings that give you the corrosion protection of an epoxy with color and gloss retention of an ultra-weatherable. So these can be applied at usually greater thicknesses than traditional urethanes. So there may be some instances where these can be utilized as a two-coat system where a typical three-coat system would have been used. Sure, and that's... Very important, especially when you talk about the installation of these systems like we did uh, early in this episode. Yeah, you know, from a from a costing standpoint, it is always beneficial to be able to put something that you can put on at one or two mils that you get great performance out of and that it has great color and gloss. One of the downsides, though, is 
a lot of parts of the painting industry are not, especially the industrial coatings industry, are not used to having to apply things at one and two mils. And it's a whole different skill set trying to apply something at two mils than you do at eight mils. Mm -hmm. And that's always been one of the parts of the polysiloxanes that I appreciate is the greater flexibility in dry film thickness and wet film thickness for applying these coatings. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon for you to have great hiding at three mils, but great performance, you know, at five mils, but you can still apply them all the way up to sometimes eight or 10 mils. And it really gives that range of flexibility so that if you had an area that you were a little heavy, you know, you might be working in a corner, you might be working in some complex angles. It gives you that flexibility to not have a detrimental effect by applying too much coating in a spot. Well, sure. And I, and I do think it's interesting when you look at the polysiloxane technology is that when you do get up above five mils, how much better the yep. performance is. It's you know, thickness shouldn't have that huge of an effect on some of these performance characteristics, but it still does. I'm not going there. I have like three of them that won't make it through the filter. <laughs> I'm not going there. Well, you know, I, yeah. Anyway, um, so Brian, why don't we talk real quickly about some of the pros and cons associated with uh, the polysloxing? Yeah. So, um, you know, I mentioned the higher film build with those. You know, they are classified as ultra weatherable, so they have good color stability, good color and gloss retention, you know, good abrasion resistance. But I would say probably one of the bigger pros is the fact that these are isis cyanate free, you know, and then we alluded to that a few minutes ago, you know, about the potential health hazards of, of isis cyanates and then also how sensitive they are to moisture. So having a material that's isis cyanate free is, is, is a definite plus there. But, but when you look at the cons, you know, once again, it would, you can make that argument that it's a higher upfront cost, but once again, it go, it really goes back to the valuation of the life cycle costing and, and the, the service life of that coating. Because you know, on average, uh, polysiloxanes and fluorouranes are going to have the longest expected service lives. Absolutely, yeah. To review, we got polyurethanes, fluoropolymers, and polysiloxanes that we use to coat as top coats for the exterior of water tanks. Those systems are outlined for you. Uh, by AWWA and the D102 standard. And if you kind of wanted to go in a good, better, best scenario, you're looking at polyurethanes, then uh, polysiloxanes, fluoropolymers, kind of in the same breath, because I think they both have really long life cycles, but you're looking at little performance characteristics differentiates uh, the two that you might have preference for one or the other based on your project. Yeah. So Brian, real quick, since uh, you're the market manager guy, plug a couple of the products that we offer for these uh, water tanks? Yeah, sure. So uh, going back to polyurethanes, you know, we've got our, our carbothane 133 series, 134 series, and within that 134 series, you've got multiple options um, such as, you know, 134HG, which is a workhorse, and then you've got 134UV Ultra, which gives you increased color and gloss retention and UV performance over the traditional um, and, and then when you get into fluorourethanes or fluoropolymers, um, we've got our carboxane 950 VOC. And then lastly, uh, looking at the siloxanes, uh, we've got carboxane 2000 and carboxane 2100 FC. So there's a lot of considerations when you're selecting a coating for a water tank. Each have their pros and cons. Uh, but, when, you know, but as we mentioned, you know, uh, 
while you may be looking at the upfront cost, you really have to weigh out the true cost of the coatings averaged out over their service lives. And think about that cost of repainting. You know, what, what is that worst case scenario? And then think about the associated cost with that when, when you're looking at, at selecting a system for the exterior of your tank. Yeah, I mean, coating the exterior of a tank is a major investment and it should be treated like one. So uh, with that, I think that gets us uh, pretty good there today. If you guys have any more questions, you can email us at technicalservice at carboline.com. If you have questions to Brian, we can forward them on. Brian, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, guys. For Paul, I'm Jack, and we'll see you next week. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd like like to to thank thank you for your support. support.